having a beer after a hard day's work once meant putting up with a six o'clock swill. The swill is not only unpleasant, it's also dangerous. Those who like beer, and surprisingly it's still legal to like it. South Australia joins all other states in abandoning the six o'clock swill. Welcome to the six o'clock swill, and it's a duo today, just me and Tim on the motorcycle. Tim on the front, me on the back. We had a bit of a stuff up, didn't we, Tim? We were going to invite uh, Brendan O'Neill on, but I hadn't accounted for British summertime, which crept in <laughs> last weekend. You know, the, the burning question around the world is, you know, what is a woman? Which we'll address later on with Rebecca. But uh, I think the more pertinent question in terms of production of this podcast is, what is an international time zone? <laughs> well, they, it always gets you that daylight saving. Thank goodness we're not trying to get anybody in Queensland on this show. Uh, yes, as you as you correctly forecast, Rebecca Weiser will be joining us later, columnist and deputy editor of the Spectator. Uh, she'll be helping us piece through that really thorny question of what is a woman, which continues to battle the left. But uh, I think the question on the table today, uh, Tim, is. Has woke peaked, or is there further madness to come? And and what prompted this question really is the goings on in Florida. Maybe you could just, for anybody who's had their head under a rock for the last week, explain what's happening. What's, what's happening at, between Walt Disney Corporation and the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis? Yes, Florida, the Sunshine State, is um, the unlikely primary battleground in the battle between woke and reason. On the one hand, you have Governor DeSantis, who is um, uh, pushing bills that will uh, make it illegal or take it off off, uh, school uh, syllabi to um, uh, introduce uh, complicated gender and sex education elements to um, (laughs) classes involving kindergarten kids through grade three. Uh, now, this has been willfully miscategorised by the press in the US as the don't say gay bill. Don't say gay. Although there's no mention of saying gay or saying straight, for that matter, in the bill. It simply says, no pervy sex ed for uh, for kids who don't understand what the hell they're t- listening to. It's uh, it's uh, it's basically a pro-grooming um, uh, measure that these <laughs> schools are trying to push through, and DeSantis is having none of it. And... As a parallel to that, of course, we have Disney World in Florida, run by the massive Disney Corporation. And, uh, and they're ramming through changes to their own organisation. Uh, they want to make it a lot more LGBTQI. Hashtag minus funny squiggly sign. Yes, yep. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Rest of the letters friendly. They're trying to add all of that. They want... Um, they want to introduce a lot of elements to their attractions and to the corporation in general that will make it more trans-friendly, trans-acceptable, and so on and so on and so on. There's a serious political point to this, and, and, and this is you know my thesis. that I, would, I know we've been saying this for a long time, but this time I really do think we've got to peak woke. It can't get any nuttier than this without spinning out of control into the atmosphere. And here's why. I mean, it's just Ron DeSantis, the, the man, the governor of Florida, who, who through this whole instance is proving why he should be 
the next president of the United States. Let's listen to how he responded to this the other day. First graders shouldn't have uh, woke gender ideology imposed in their curriculums. And that is what we're standing for, because we're standing for the kids and we're standing for the parents. Uh, and I can tell you this, there, the chance that I am going to back down from my commitment to students and back down from my commitment to parents' rights yeah. simply because of fraudulent media narratives or pressure from woke corporations, the chances of that are zero. Yeah. If that's the hill that they're gonna die on, then how do they possibly explain lining their pockets with their relationship from the Communist Party of China? Because that's what they do, and they make a fortune, and they don't say a word about the really brutal practices uh, that you see over there at the hands of the CCP. And so in Florida, our policy is gonna be based on the best interest of Florida citizens, not on the musing of global yeah. corporations. Sorry, mate, this would be a fun attraction at, uh, at the new Disney. Uyghur Skull Mountain. <laughs> Line up. Also, it could be interactive. While you're there, you could you know, make a pair of Nikes. You could sew together some T-shirts and um, and then um, sleep in the factory, <laughs> just to make it a bit more um, a bit make people a bit more aware of uh, China's sorry Disney's great attraction to its uh, its commercial benefactors overseas. So, <laughs> so here's the thing, Tim. J- Joe Biden actually opposes this legislation in Florida. So that means Biden is in favour of teachers being able to teach transgender and other boutique. Uh, sex education to children aged K to three without their parents' knowledge. But we know it's hard when there are those out there who don't see you and don't respect you. For example, the onslaught of anti-transgender state laws attacking you and your families is simply wrong. This administration is standing up for you against all these hateful bills. Just suppose, just suppose they find a really good taxidermist and they get somebody in from Hollywood to do that sort of action thing that makes their lips move. Yep. An- animatronics, yes. Animatronics, that's it. And Joe Biden stands again for a second term as president, and, and the Republicans, as I would have thought, seems obvious, choose DeSantis as, as their candidate. Imagine that presidential debate. DeSantis says, look, so you, you support this. You support teaching this stuff to kids. Uh, explain why. Tell me why you think it's a good idea that kids aged one to three, who probably shouldn't be taught any sex education at school, for my money, are taught this kind of stuff, and their parents don't get saying it. That's a. I mean, it, it, it's it's an election loser, isn't it? I mean, it's better than you know. There he goes again, or any of those other great lines that have yeah, won elections. Yeah, where's the beef? You don't want to be asking where's that in Florida schools, do you? You don't want to know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> so. they'll tell you though um it we're going to have a preview of course in november when, when we have the midterms because as we saw during earlier elections uh state elections new jersey and elsewhere uh there is a move on the way among republicans to really use the family positive stuff and to and to weaponize that and it's working because you know Who'd have believed it? Americans believe in the family. They're kind of traditional like that, as are we, as uh, as is most of Europe. And you've got a situation where 
this ultra woke crew are um, uh, setting the Democrats up for a massive fall. They've, they've they've wetted themselves to the wrong thing. You've got to remember, of course, in the US, the Democrats have long been associated with being the more family friendly because they've always been bigger on uh, welfare and um, you know public schools and so on. So they've they've been able to hold that aura for a long time. That's uh, mm. that's all been thrown away. They've they've, they've now ceded that ground to Republicans because mm. of values. I mean, the idea that this is electoral poison to the Democrats is that's not entirely theoretical, Tim. Right? They've already oh, no. tested this out in the gubernatorial elections last year in Virginia. Mm. Uh, sorry, February this year, when yeah. when Glenn, Glenn Youngkin, Re- Republican Glenn Youngkin, ran a, won a very convincing victory, campaigning on on schools, complaining on you know, traditional values in schools. It, it's a it's a big issue. It's a bigger issue in the states even than here. Uh, so the point is that the, the, not only the Democrats, well, the Democrats now seem to be just thinking they don't need to be elected anymore. Yeah. Well, are the Democrats really as dumb as I think, or maybe they've got in mind something else? You know, like the declaration of some sort of autocracy sometime between now and the next election in which elections will be cancelled. I, I don't know. I mean, that seems improbable, but I, I just don't think woke can survive this, can it? Well, you'd hope that it eventually would reach such a point that uh, that uh, common sense and electoral reality would, uh, would intervene. But I'm not sure, Nick, that uh, this is peak woke because we say that all the time. We've been saying this for years. I oh, know. This is peak woke. Never is. There's always something coming in. Possibly before this podcast is even uh, available to our listeners, we might have had another woke surge that makes the schools in Florida and elsewhere look like nothing at all, make it look like uh, just common sense and reason. Sweet, sweet reason. And um, we'll, be, we'll have to do the whole show all over again. Anyway, we'll see how we go. What do they have in store for us next, Tim? It's impossible to predict. I mean, just... Just, I mean, the idea of teaching transgenderism and LGBTQ stuff to kindergarten students, you did, did, no one predicted this coming, did they, 12 months ago? No one at all. No. And, uh, and no. yet, here we are. Okay, well, here's hoping the whole woke nonsense sinks under the weight of its own absurdity soon. This is one of the most family-associated brands on earth, the Disney Corporation. So when they're going down this path... You think, well, either they've, uh, they're ahead of the curve and they're, they're onto something and they're, they're reading the public mood, or they really like the idea of committing commercial suicide. I think possibly the latter, the way things are going. Now, one aspect of it is that um, the attractions at Disney World, and I, I guess also Disneyland, will be in Disneyland in California. Um, they'll be, no longer be welcoming uh, mothers, fathers, boys, girls. It'll just be welcome dreamers which seems a little furry, and, uh, and so on, which leads you to think, how are they going to deal with, with other aspects of their, of their attractions? Because they're, they're going to have to do a fair bit of renaming and rebranding, aren't they? Let's just have a look, just quickly, at uh, some of the Disneyland attractions, some of the things you can go to and how they'll have to alter. <laughs> okay, you've got Alice in Wonderland, of course. That's problematic, straight off the bat. Alan. Alan in Wonderland, or, yeah. Um, you've got the ancient sanctum, all ages, any height. What's the problem with that one, Tim? Well, it's ancient, 
And of course, as we know, ancient times had features like slavery and so on. So any oh gosh, you know, when you're bringing up ancient things, they're not very good, are they? No, no, nothing. The Astro Orbiter. That sounds military. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, you've got Autopia, which I think was um, an original ride from 1955 at Disneyland, and I think it celebrates <gasps> the automobile. Planet killers. Unless they're all little, you know, they're replaced by a bunch of little Teslas or similar spark buggies. You've got the Avengers headquarters. That sounds very um, militaristic again. You've got Casey Jr. Circus Train. Why should it be a masculine thing, a train? This is what my complaint about Thomas the Tank Engine, really, for quite some time. And and all the all the... You know, the only female characters on Thomas Tank Engine are whinging carriages. <laughs> you know, I think that's entirely unfair. Well, here's another one that's going to have to go. Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes. Colonialism much? And Davy. Come on, oppressor. Yeah. And Davy. Daisy. Uh, Daisy Crockett, perhaps. Yeah, Daisy, yeah. The Disneyland Railroad. Well, again, cross-country in the US. Railroads are synonymous with colonising. Uh, Donald's Boat which says he's temporarily, unavail- temporarily unavailable, possibly due to reassignment surgery. <laughs> Dumbo, the flying elephant, is ableist, isn't it? There's a great deal of uh, things they're going to have to fix up. Oh, this uh, one attraction called Five and Dime. Well, that doesn't really have any modern application in Joe Biden's America. It's five and 50 bucks and no change at, at, at a minimum. Mm given the way the inflation is going under, under the great leadership of Blithering Joe, and so on. It's going to be terrific to watch him um, get all this stuff uh, changed and, uh, and watch the crowds run away. Donald and Daffy Duck is going to become Daffy and Donald Duck, I think, as both of them transition. <laughs> Do they really need to transition? They get around without pants anyway. But look, I mean, in this country, we've had a bit of wokeness going on on the streets of Sydney the last few days, annoying drivers enormously, people deciding to glue their themselves to the road and other antics in order to disrupt peak hour traffic and gen- generally just cause mayhem. Uh, in, and, and they're doing this apparently uh, to save the planet in some way. It doesn't yes. immediately strike me how that works but anyway that's the theme i get all the press releases from blockade australia which is the climate crew behind all of this and uh they're they're fun to read well actually more precisely they're fun to decode they defy easy reading because i'm not sure that mastery of english is high on the priority of people who suspend themselves from tripods and bipods in order to um, block traffic but one of them is a chap named arno was arrested arno is 21 and he's from germany he's come all the way from germany to stop traffic in in, uh, in Sydney, which is nice of him. And Arno's up for being deported. He's uh, being held in Villawood, as we speak, ahead of a, a court date in May, and then getting chucked beyond that. Arno actually said that, um, it's fascinating hearing this from a German perspective, that Australia's climate gas contribution is such that Australia is going to kill us all, the whole planet. <laughs> So I'm not sure, maybe there's just a bit of professional um, jealousy from our German friends' part, them having to try to do that a couple of times in the past century. 
Is it crazy the country that gave us Audis, BMWs, Porsches, Mercedes is now breeding young people who want to stop traffic? I mean, they gave us motorways without speed limits, by the way, talking about things that kill people. But uh, they're very safe, very safe. Yeah, the autobahns are safe. You probably saw the New South Wales government is trying to rush through legislation. Mm. Uh, that will allow them to fine these people up to $22,000. I think that's going soft, don't you? My, my, my proposal is to bring in the Askin Amendment. You, you remember Bob Askin? Yes, the, um, the celebrated former New South Wales Premier. That's right. And in uh, 67, I think it was, when um, LBJ was in Sydney driving in a motorcade, suitably bulletproofed, I think. They, uh, unfortunately, they only added the bulletproofing after Dallas. But anyway, there it was. <laughs> and uh, JFK is in the back of this thing with uh, with Robert Askin and and, and the then uh, Prime Minister Harold Holt. And all these protesters are lying down, these hairy, long-haired, draft-dodging protesters are lying on the road to stop the progress. And uh, Askin shouted out, Run the bastards over. <laughs> so, that, so my proposal is the Askin Amendment. So any driver who happens to run over somebody glued to the road in a, primate, in a climate protest will not be held responsible either in civil or criminal law for their actions. It will be entirely defendable on those grounds. So no, you know, no charges about... No, they won't be able to sue for their ripped jeans or... You know, in 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 the worst shattered pelvises. <laughs> yeah. No charges for manslaughter. You know, the the no charges. They 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 won't even be charged for the cleaning up the road afterwards. I would um, endorse that amendment, and um, I'd also point out that it would finally give protesters, climate protesters, some sort of useful role in the community as traffic calming devices. I mean, we already use, in Sydney, we already use pedestrians as a form of traffic calming device, don't we? We have, pe- pedestrians have right of way on, on crossings. Indeed, yes, they should. So if you're a driver, you appro- as you approach the crossing, you are obliged to stop if a pedestrian begins, you know, approaches the, uh, the crossing. Well, this is just the next step, where if a pedestrian isn't crossing the road, isn't ambulatory but is deliberately in the middle of the road, well, the roles, certainly the, the roles must shift. I would um, I'd also introduce, even as a further amendment, uh, the concept of outlawry. I'll let H.L. Uh, Mencken explain outlawry, which was a... Um, it hasn't been applied for some 160-odd years, but it's an old Brit- uh, British law, I believe. But this is, this is Mencken. Certainly, it is simple enough in its workings. A man who deliberately chooses the career of an outlaw is made one officially. From that moment, he has no rights whatsoever. Any citizen may beat him, wound him, and even kill him without challenge. It is a misdemeanor knowingly to conceal him, or even to feed him. He is thrown into the exact position of the victim he assaults and robs, and is paid off in his own coin. <laughs> you know, that might be a little too raw and bloody for some listeners. For others, possibly not. We, we do have a very um, interested and active uh, uh, listenership who might regard uh, outlawry as um, a good start. But I think it, at yeah. least it's worth considering. Yeah, yeah well, I think, I think both measures, we could, we could introduce them that 
indemnity for running over a protester. Uh, you know, it'd be, be New South Wales equivalent of the Second Amendment, you know, the right to, right to bear arms. You might have, you know, a few little, you know, safeguards. Maybe the Greens would, uh, would force through a, a, a one alteration that you couldn't deliberately go out of your way. It's, it's got to be in your normal course of a, of a day's driving. No swerving. No swerving. You can't, you can't uh, go more than three kilometres from your average planned journey to take out uh, yeah. a few prone protesters. I mean, that's just, that's just making a mockery of law and justice, Nick, surely. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse for breaking the speed limit. If yeah, exactly. Yeah. kilometres an hour, so be it. You know, people know that they've got only a short amount of time to get to a protest. They might break the law getting there. And we can't have this kind of lawlessness, Nick. It would be, a, it'd be it'd make a mockery of the courts and the entire judicial system. It'd, it'd be awful. That way lies anarchy. Either way, I just think that the protesters would leave the place feeling rather flat, you know, and they'd probably put them off <laughs> doing it again. Well, you know, a lot of them are vegans, you know. You don't need bull bars. You're not exactly running into a, a bison. You just need a, you know, a 10-year-old Holden Astra to do the job. You're not going to need, yeah. you know, something with, you know, you're not going to need an 18-wheeler. You're not going to need a Land Cruiser. Yeah. There is a problem, though. Yeah. Have you ever driven over a, a dead kangaroo in a, yes. in a uh, Toyota Camry? It's not a lot of fun. I did this on the way to... Canberra, I just couldn't avoid the roadkill, went straight mm. over the top of a dead kangaroo and and there was just this terrible smell rising from the underside of the car. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, uh, it, and uh, I, I couldn't get rid of it. Luckily it was a hire car, but I should <laughs> drop it off before anybody noticed the bits of kangaroo stuck to the undercarriage. A friend of mine had one come through the windscreen, a live kangaroo. That, that, that was Ooh. apparently fun. <laughs> Uh, the slap, Tim. Slip, slop, slap. Nobody watches the Oscars these days, but everybody would have caught the, this clip, surely. Will Smith uh, taking, uh, cracking a joke. Uh, no, no, sorry. Chris Rock cracked the joke and Will Smith took offence. Tell us the story. Yes, it was um, uh, like everyone else. I wasn't watching it. And when I first saw some news reports online that um, there'd been this slap I, and saw the still photograph, I thought, you know, dumb stunt, some kind of, you know, um, publicity nonsense, and then I saw it, and it it strikes me, so to speak, as uh, as real. Um, uh, Will Smith's reaction post his assault seemed genuine. He was furious and very sweary, and um, and as as we've seen since, the controversy isn't going away. One thing, I think uh, I think Australian media and perhaps global media has missed an opportunity here. When uh, when peculiar events occur, you know, perhaps a you know um, a space shuttle crashes or something, or you know, some sort of event for which we're not really prepared, something something big occurs, you can always find obscure experts in these fields. Someone, uh, perhaps an Australian scientist at, at at Parks, the observatory or something, who might have some knowledge of uh, of uh, space flight and the difficulties there, and you'd find someone like that. With this slap, I've not noticed any person at all, any journal, any journalist, interviewing Chris Chalkus, author of The Slap. The guy wrote a damn book with that in the title. Mm. It's about um, di- uh, different perspectives on a kid getting slapped at a suburban barbecue. 
<laughs> but obviously, as the preeminent slapping expert, the, the global authority on, on hand-to-face contact, maybe we should get Christos on the show next week and he can give his analysis of it. That'd be interesting. You no, know, he can talk through. I mean, the whole, the whole conceit of his book was that Obviously, you know, a backyard barbecue isn't filmed, so everyone had these different perspectives, and they had different thoughts about the rights and wrongs of it. This, this one was obviously filmed, and still we have the different perspectives. It all depends on how you're looking at these things. So you've got people who are cheering Will Smith for defending his wife's honour. You know, mm. you've got all manner of uh, different, um, different takes on it. I thought, I thought as apologies go, apologies getting more and more complex, aren't they? You just be able to say, oh, sorry, mate, that was out of order. Yeah. Now you've got to go on. I mean, Smith went on for, I think, more than five minutes and teared up during his acceptance speech. Yes, but he didn't apologise to his victim. No, but he did say, I'm being called on in my life to love people, to protect people, and to be a river to my people. <laughs> you've got to be able to take abuse, a river to his people. And then in the apology itself, which which I think came afterwards, didn't it? The yes. formal apology. Yeah. He says, uh, I would like to publicly apologise to you, Chris. I was out of line and wrong. My actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There's no place in the world for this in a world of love and kindness. Okay. <laughs> he, he, he's sort of dodging the issue a bit there, isn't he? he? He's trying to get a little bit of a woke boost out of it. He did hit a bloke. Mm. You know, basically, that's it. But you know, this stuff about, you know, um, God is telling me to be a better person and so on and um, a river to my people. Whatever you say about Will Smith, you can't say that he's got any problems with self-esteem. I think we can rule that out. <laughs> the, the man's got a fairly confident opinion of his place in the world. Running it, mm. I think, is, is basically where he seems to River to my people? Seriously? I've not heard that used in a non-mocking sense in my life. And, uh, mm. and he's saying it seriously. Who are his people? You know, millionaire actors who go around hitting blokes like that's a that's a great community you're working there with, son. Good work. River to his people. Who do you think he is? Moses. <laughs> oh, just... Well, you Gosh. remember Moses and the slapping of the uh, the slapping of the peons. He's uh, he used yeah. to get around, you know, do- doling out the backhanders all the time. Moses, famous. <laughs> podcast spectator columnist and polymath Rebecca Weiser. Hi, great to be here. Rebecca, let's start by playing extract from the Senate confirmation hearing of US Supreme Court nominee Katanya Brown-Jackson on the question of womanhood. Uh, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word "woman" is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition. As I said at the top, Rebecca, I describe you as a polymath. You know a lot about a lot of things, but you're not a biologist, are you? No, absolutely not. Indeed, when I look out of the window and I see water falling out of the sky, I have to ask myself, "What is it?" Because I'm not a meteorologist. So what's so what's going on? What's the uh, 
the woke mission behind this? There are a couple of things at play here. Uh, One is uh, that the woke elite want to establish the fact that ordinary people are unqualified to express an opinion on absolutely anything, even something as obvious and as part of their um, everyday experience as what is a woman. Uh, So I think this is an assertion by the expert class that everything has to be left to them. Uh, It's also an exercise, so in that sense it's an exercise of power Uh, and if you dare step out of line and say you think you know what a woman is or that seems pretty obvious to you, then you can be criticised. So I think that has the the effect of silencing a lot of people. I think the other element at play here is that it's about promoting and giving a privileged status to certain subgroups within society. One of those is trans people. So trans people, uh, say trans women, are seen by the woke elite to be oppressed and by virtue of that they therefore have rights that other women don't have and they have to be, they cannot be criticised or any privileges that they are conferred cannot be criticised. So if uh, a trans woman who is six foot three and has a physique of a, of a male bodybuilder um, wins a, an athletic competition or an Olympic competition or a swimming race, then uh, you're not allowed to question that. And I think that's really fundamentally what's at play here. This is a way of showing power, telling ordinary people that they have no right to speak and that they have to accept the rules of the game as determined by the woke elite. Well, we have, we have breaking news on the what is a woman front. A book by that title by the conservative American commentator Matt Walsh uh, went straight to the top of Amazon's women's sort of gender studies section, whatever it's called. So Matt, who's a very funny fellow, perhaps we should have a chat one day with Matt. Matt now declares himself to be literally the best-selling women's studies author in the world. <laughs> and um, he, has a, he has a documentary coming out shortly via the Daily uh, Wire. Uh, he's travelled the world yeah, putting this question to various people. What is a woman? He's gone to different continents, different peoples, different communities. And uh, it, the, um, the trailer looks very intriguing. It's going to be... Um, Wonderful work, I think, to uh, to examine. Do you think um, that Helen Reddy song should be amended? It should be abolished. The most the most triggering line in that in that song, which feminists, more recent feminists, have just glided past, is "I'm just an embryo," which is is just that's touching a whole lot of issues, isn't it? When you when you're saying embryo, just an embryo, but you're a now an, an extant life form. Well, we're getting down to some um, at what point does life begin issues. But with, with the question, what is a woman, which is what the world seems to need to know these days, as evidence of, of humankind becoming stupider, we've gone from in only, you know, 100 years or so, we've gone from Freud asking what does a woman want which implicitly has within it an understanding of what a woman is, narrowing it down now to just what is a woman. How do we, how do we shrink that further? How do we get even dumber? Is the next question just, what? 
is that is that where we're going as a as a as a peoples as a as a as a species, just walking around not knowing what anything the hell is? I mean, Rebecca is right to question the existence of cats and rain. If we're getting down to that level, surely. <laughs> well, post-truth world, but like the Babylon Bee, Babylon Bee, as they call themselves, uh, fake news you can trust. Um, they, 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 they had a, a helpful guide on: Are you a woman? Signs to look for. <laughs> Are you always cold? Has a human ever popped out of you? Oh, this is one for you, Rebecca. Have Have you ever decorated a bed with six pillows or more? Come on, answer honestly. <laughs> uh, yes, I have. What does it mean? <laughs> I'll take that as a I'll take that as a yes. Can you tell the difference between cream white and rustic farmhouse white? Uh no. Have you run into a curb in the past twenty four hours? Be honest. <laughs> well, is... no, but only because I haven't been behind the wheel. Is your Starbucks drink anything other than black coffee? There you go. And finally, well, this one. Do you have two X chromosomes? I suppose ultimately it comes down to that, doesn't it? Like it goes back to what we were saying at the start, Tim. This is Surely, peak woke. Surely, it can't get any nuttier than this. There's no such thing as peak woke. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me, you guys. <laughs> it, it's going to get crazier. It can't not get crazier. They've, they've gone on this path, and uh, beyond this point, all manner of magic lies. Kamala Harris this week made another um, interesting statement. Let's have a listen to it. We also recognise, just as it has been in the United States for Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way of its impact has been the pandemic. So to that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica that have been essential to, I believe, what is necessary to strengthen not only uh, the, the, the issue of public health, but also the economy. What's your take home on that, Rebecca? What did you get from that? Well, you know what, when it comes to word salad, there is nobody that can beat Kamala Harris. Well, I, I don't know if word salad's the right way to phrase it, because in a salad you've got definite components that you can visually identify. This is more of a word gumbo, <laughs> where it's, it's... Word stew. Where you just throw basically... Yeah, where you basically harvest the sea and throw everything in at once and uh, boil it up and it's delicious. She might also be more familiar with gumbo, um, uh, being a US dish. But it's incredible how... I mean, there's greatest hits compilations now of Kamala saying similar reams of gibberish. Wasn't Joe meant to be the brain damage one? Is, is, <laughs> is whatever, whatever condition Joe has got, dementia, aphasia, whatever, is it, is it transmissible? Is that why they're so keen on masks in the White House? They don't want anyone else to catch stupidity? Because she's got a damn good dose of it. She's got the, she's got the DC variant, the most potent of them all. She's the only reason that Joe's clinging to life, isn't it? I mean, even he realises that she's going to be a problem and he's just wanting to keep going. The idea that she could become... She's only a heartbeat away and a pretty old heart Irregular one. from becoming yeah. becoming president is... I guess that's even more scary than Biden himself. <laughs> well, maybe not. I'd put him on about a level level sort of um, path at, at the moment. Uh, there might be a chance that um, Harris is redeemable. You know, she's not in a medically compromised mental state. So there's a possibility that certain... Re I mean, also, 
I don't think we're going to see Biden run again, so he doesn't give a damn. He's achieved what he wanted to achieve, and now he's just um, uh, making sure he goes down in history as one of the worst presidents uh, ever to uh, rule the US. But Harris presumably does Although want to I, run. I think he did say that he's going to run again, didn't he? He says a lot of things, sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That he's going to launch World War III. <laughs> he, said, he said of Putin, this man cannot stay in power. Yeah. Which yeah. we took to be regime change, but apparently call for regime change, but it apparently isn't. No, he's, he's, his handlers have had a great week, haven't they? They've, uh, within seconds of Joe making any kind of statement, they've had to say that it didn't sound anything like it sounded exactly like. But um, at least now he's talking in sentences you can understand. I mean, imagine being the um, signing presenter, you know, the the woman or man who stands offside of Kamala Harris. And, man, that's just an instant onset arthritis case waiting to happen, isn't it, with uh, how she's messing You'd just around. wave your arms in a windmill, wouldn't you, the whole time? I mean, what else could you do? <laughs> you know, just to gesture with one finger on your tongue, leaning over, just to illustrate the, you know, the vomitous capacity that Kamala Harris can uh, convey with words. But I think, really, the issue with Kamala is her laugh. Isn't it? Uh, nobody can laugh like Kamala. And no. really, you know, the word stew or the word <laughs> ratatouille or Come whatever on. it is. <laughs> the, the word goulash? Is nothing beside that those dulcet tones that come forth when she's amused. Or, or not amused. Those <laughs> the same person could do that without damaging their throat, could they? That Kamala laugh. I think the last time human, you know, any human being heard a laugh of that quality was from I don't know an Abu Ghraib torture cell, you know, during during Saddam's reign, and some maniacal guard was just enjoying the uh, the treatment he was dishing out a bit too much because it's an entirely mirthless, monotonal laugh. It's not a laugh as uh, as any any reasonable person would define it. It is a cackle, isn't it? It hmm. is a cackle. It is a cackle, although I'm not a cackleologist, so I'm not sure if I can say that. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I can first. Okay, so this time. Finally, Rebecca, we might get your thoughts on CFW, Connie Fiorenti Wells. Uh, she's a senator in the Australian Parliament. For those who know her, she, she's not a senator for much longer because she's been uh, deselected or put down the down the ticket by her her party, which means that she's very unlikely to win a place if she wins it at all. Her reaction to this uh, in a speech in Parliament was to rip into the Prime Minister, uh, the the man who leads her party in government, uh, Scott Morrison, uh, accusing him of bullying and all sorts of things. Uh, it, it did seem to me to be rather too easy an excuse for her own failures? Or am I being too hard on her? Well, I sort of recall that, you know, um, Senator Fiorenti wells got um, her parliamentary secretary position. I think it was under Prime Minister Tony Abbott. And I, for one, was somewhat disappointed when she did an interview with... Um, Nikki Sava, that didn't seem to me something that I would describe as the most loyal or useful interview that anyone's ever done. 
It's a shame, really, because the party has served her well. <laughs> Tony served her well. Scott has served her well. But seemingly, she is not particularly grateful. This, this speed to reach for the bullying complaint. I've just been reading this week, uh, Surprised by Joy, which is the biography of C.S. Lewis. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the account of his childhood in some dreadful English school being bullied and uh, fagged by the prefects in the most horrendous mo way and, uh, and, and he talks of the rampant pedestry that went on there so it was almost a relief when he was uh, called up to serve in the first world war in the trenches where he was injured he only had to deal with germans exactly the, the, the thing about this is that you know in these days he would have very clear case for a bullying claim against both his schoolmasters, the prefects, and his, his army commanders for putting him in that position. But instead, you know, he, he, he called on people to deal with situations by courage. Where courage is not, no other virtue can survive except by accident. There's not a lot I want to return to in Edwardian Britain. I mean, the, the plumbing, for instance, uh, the food, those kind of things. They the can, dentistry. The, the dentistry, yeah. Let's leave all those things behind. But... I tell you, I think they had a point about courage, didn't they? And uh, not going for the bullying excuse every time something goes wrong in your life. Well, I think C.S. Lewis um, is truly one of the great writers. Um, and he inspired me when I was a child, when I wrote his, read his children's books. And uh, he inspires me as an adult. And... It's hard to look around today and say, who do we have of that stature in our, in our time? So, I You're think no literary you know. scholar, let me add, Rebecca. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> let me crawl back in under my rock and in my confusion. We need to know our place in today's societies. He might have been a slave owner. We need to look more carefully into the case of C.S. Lewis. But, Probably uh, everybody, everybody of that generation was a slave owner, wasn't it? Except or profited people. from it, yeah, in some way. There's a slavery museum in Liverpool. It's a very intriguing place. Not exactly a place you go for a cheer-up in the middle of the day, but, uh, you know, you are in Liverpool to start off with, so maybe, maybe it, relatively it's, it's a happy joint. But um, I didn't know until I went there, Nick and Beck, that, um, you know the Beatles song, Penny Lane? One of their happiest, mm. sunniest tunes. Beautiful song. Beautiful, mm. beautiful song. But there's been a long-standing movement to remove the name because it's named after a chap who was a slave dealer. Penny. Uh, one Mr. Penny, who um, his, uh, his stock in trade was, uh, you know, dealing with slaves that were freighted in and out of, uh, out of Liverpool. So, yeah, when, uh, when some people hear that song, it, uh, it triggered, they're triggered. Yeah, Lewis has a phrase for this. He calls it chronological arrogance. You know, the idea that everything that happened before <laughs> was completely bad. And, uh, but the, the corollary of that is everything we're doing now is perfect. <laughs> well, anything, any other business, Tim, before we bring this meeting to a close? No, I think we're all good. I think we'll, we'll, we'll set the world to rights once again. Thank you very much from the, for the contribution from uh, uh, someone who is possibly woman-like in the form of Rebecca, and um, we'll, uh, we'll continue to monitor her, monitor her, con her condition, <laughs> see if it improves. I will, I will do that especially well. <laughs> yes, well done. And if anyone insults her, you must slap them. 
You must slap them immediately. I'll yes. slap myself. <laughs> yes. If there's any hint about uh, alopecia creeping in, you know, any kind of baldness um, uh, issues, slap people. Just slap random people. You need to get your practice in. By the way, has anyone on our little panel here been slapped? I, I must have been at some stage. I've been punched. Can't recall a slap. Not since I was a child, I think, Tim. No, it's, it's an unusual thing for a man to do, slap a person. Well, that's what I thought. You know, the, it's the open palm, isn't it? I mean, usually when a man wants to illustrate his displeasure with other, another man, it's the yeah. clenched fist. Yes. Especially a guy who once played Muhammad Ali in a movie. I mean, he's got the moves down, one presumes. I think so. I've forgotten that. Yeah, so um, I don't recall Ali slapping Joe Frazier or um, you know, using the old open hand treatment on George Foreman. That wouldn't have been... Wouldn't have been taken very well. But, no, uh, no, no. Yeah, and also, it's an unusual fighting technique. When you walk up on someone, slap them, then immediately turn heel and walk away. Like, it, it, it's just a one-shot deal. You don't stick around to sort of, you know, to, to thrash, thrash things out. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, I, I think he, what he, should, he should have taken a tip from Thug Nasty, <laughs> shouldn't he? Remember last week we listened to Thug Nasty? I might play that clip again. How was that flight, man? Nah. I don't like flying. Really? <laughs> I wore my boots for the flight. Yeah? The whole time you take them off while you're on the plane? No, hell no. I leave them boots on. You know why I wear my boots on a plane? Nuh-uh. Right when I get on, I'm looking for terrorists. Really? Always assume there's about four of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if there's four of them, you know how they operate, right? There's going to be two sleepers. So I'm really, I'm looking for the four ones that are going to pop up. Yeah. Those are the motherfuckers. I'm dropping first you know what I'm saying and the most that can attack you even if there's four of them on a plane only two can attack you one in the front one in the back I got a pair of boots I'm going boom right to the nuts right you know what I'm saying boom right to the nuts boom boom turn around taking out another one I'm gonna start stomping on their heads and shit I don't think Will Smith would be Will Smith would be advised not to slap thug nasty indeed indeed that's just about it for the swirl for this week don't forget you can email us nick at bcc.com and don't forget to give us five stars. You don't need to be an astronomer. No, you don't, and you don't need to be a computer scientist to increase our chances on the algorithm by giving us five stars and recommend us to your friends. And um, there that's we go. just about it for Six O'Clock School for this week. Well done, man. I think we got through that all right. Every American and LBJ is with Australia all the way. Australia is the best place in the world to bring up a family. But we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. How good is Australia? Yeah!